With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Moved it by the way they drank. Drink was the badge of manhood. So I drank with them. Drink by drink, raw and straight. Though the damn stuff couldn't compare with a stick of chewing taffy or a delectable cannonball. I shuddered and swallowed my gorge with every drink, though I manfully hid all such symptoms. Diverse times we filled the flask that afternoon. All I had was twenty cents, but I put it up like a man, though with secret regret at the enormous store of candy it could have bought. The liquor mounted in the heads of all of us, and the talk of Scotty and the harpooner was upon running the easting down, gales off the horn and pamperos off the plot, lower topsail breezes, southerly busters, north pacific gales, and of smashed whaleboats in the arctic ice. You can't swim in that ice water, said the harpooner confidentially to me. You double up in a minute and go down. When a whale smashes your boat, the thing to do is to get your belly across an oar so that when the cold doubles you, you'll float. Sure, I said, with a grateful nod and an air of certitude that I, too, would hunt whales and be in smashed boats in the Arctic Ocean. And truly, I registered his advice as singularly valuable information and filed it away in my brain where it persists to this day. But I couldn't talk at first. Heavens! I was only fourteen, and had never been on the ocean in my life. I could only listen to the two sea-dogs and show my manhood by drinking with them, fairly and squarely, drink and drink. The liquor worked its will with me. The talk of Scotty and the harpooner poured through the pent space of the idler's cabin and through my brain with great gusts of wide free wind and in imagination i lived my years to come and rocked 
over the wild, mad, glorious world on multitudinous adventures. We unbent. Our inhibitions and taciturnities vanished. We were as if we had known each other for years and years, and we pledged ourselves to years of future voyagings together. The harpooner told of misadventures and secret shames. Scotty wept over his poor old mother in Edinburgh, a lady, he insisted, gently born who was in reduced circumstances, who had pinched herself to pay the lump sum to the shipowners for his apprenticeship, whose sacrificing dream had been to see him a merchantman officer and a gentleman, and who was heartbroken because he had deserted his ship in Australia and joined another as a common sailor before the mast and scotty proved it he drew her last sad letter from his pocket and wept over it as he read it aloud the harpooner and i wept with him and swore that all three of us would ship on the whale ship bonanza win a big payday and still together make a pilgrimage to edinburgh and lay our store of money in the dear lady's lap and as john barleycorn heated his way into my brain thawing my reticence melting my modesty talking through me and with me and as me my adopted twin brother and alter ego i too raised my voice to show myself a man and an adventurer and bragged in detail and at length of how i had crossed san francisco bay in my open skiff in a roaring sou'wester even when the schooner sailors doubted my exploit further i or jorn barleycorn for it was the same thing told scotty that he might be a deep-sea sailor and know the last rope on the great deep-sea ships but that when it came to small boat sailing i could beat him hands down and sail circles around him the best of it was that my assertion and brag were true with reticence and modesty present i could never have dared tell scotty my small boat estimate of him but it is ever the way of john barleycorn to loosen the tongue and babble the secret thought. Scotty, or John Barleycorn, or the pair, was very naturally offended by my remarks. Nor was I loath. I could whip any runaway sailor seventeen years old. Scotty and I flared and raged like young cockerels, until the harpooner, poured another round of drinks to enable us to forgive and make up 
which we did, arms around each other's necks, protesting vows of eternal friendship, just like Black Matt and Tom Morrissey, I remembered, in the ranch kitchen in San Mateo. And remembering, I knew that I was at last a man, despite my meager fourteen years, a man as big and manly as those two strapping giants who had quarreled and made up on that memorable Sunday morning of long ago. By this time, the singing stage was reached, and I joined Scotty and the harpooner in snatches of sea-songs and shanties. It was here, in the cabin of the idler, that I first heard Blow the Man Down, Flying Cloud, and Whiskey, Johnny Whiskey. Oh, it was brave. I was beginning to grasp the meaning of life. Here was no commonplace, no Oakland estuary, no weary round of throwing newspapers at front doors, delivering ice, and setting up nine-pins. All the world was mine, all its paths were under my feet, and John Barleycorn, tricking my fancy, enabled me to anticipate the life of adventure for which I yearned. We were not ordinary. We were three tipsy young gods, incredibly wise, gloriously genial, and without limit to our powers. Ah, and I say it now after the years, could John Barleycorn keep one at such a height, I should never draw a sober breath again. But this is not a world of free freights. One pays according to an iron schedule. For every strength, the balanced weakness. For every high, a corresponding low. For every fictitious godlike moment, an equivalent time in reptilian slime, for every feat of telescoping long days and weeks of life into mad magnificent instance, one must pay with shortened life and oft times with savage usury added. Intenseness and duration are as ancient enemies as fire and water. They are mutually destructive. They cannot coexist. And John Barleycorn, mighty necromancer though he be, is as much a slave to organic chemistry as we mortals are. We pay for every nerve marathon we run. Nor can John Barleycorn intercede and fend off the just payment. He can lead us to the heights, but he cannot keep us there, else would we all be devotees. And there is no devotee but pays for the mad dances John Barleycorn pipes. 
yet the foregoing is all in after wisdom spoken it was no part of the knowledge of the lad 